I looked into 44 faces yesterday morning. And when I got to those four, there was something special, a, a light or something that I can't describe it to you. There isn't any description. But I looked into their faces and I knew. I knew this was their last day. I knew they were going to get it. I knew and there, there wasn't any doubt about it. That's, uh, it's funny. That's real funny. Come on, we're going to go for a joyride. just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room if you dare. And a welcome back to Strange Highways. Um, I hope that uh, you did not go through any white clouds and then end up back in time um, like the previous episode. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. Yeah. And Kevin was lost for a second in a cloud and he's back now. I'm glad he's here. Um, we have yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have the Purple Testament um, for a black and white show with the Purple Testaments, the episode that we're going to talk about here. Uh yeah, uh, I think we have some uh, some similar opinions on this episode. We didn't we didn't want to ruin it too much for each other, uh, but yeah, let's just yeah maybe I'm, I might uh, I might turn heel on you here. You might turn heel. It's like I just see a shadow <laughs> yep. of a chair behind me. I'm like, what's going on? You know, it's just uh, so uh, air date of this episode is uh, February twelfth, nineteen sixty. Um, number one song is Teen Angel by Mark Denning. Uh, number ah. number one film has not been her, but it's coming back soon. It is Visit to a Small Planet. It's a Jerry Lewis. I think it's a comedy. I would imagine it's Jerry Lewis. He's an alien, yeah. fascinated by human beings, and he visits Earth and befriends an Earth family. So, and hijinks ensue. I'm sure. So, yeah. Nice. I've never so heard of that he movie. Took down uh, Ben Hur just for a week. That's just for awesome. a week. Yeah. And then also, uh, like teenagers only going to be around for like just a half second. Then it's on to like I forget what comes next. But uh, yeah, I'm so sorry to see Running Bear go away. But uh, teenagers not a bad song. <laughs> Um, I'm not. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, pick my battle with that one. I guess. Um, I couldn't. The only thing I could find that was of interest on this date is actually what's related to the episode. So I don't know if I want to spoil that because I feel like it's actually kind of it is kind of connected to what the episode's about in a way. Um, if we yeah, so, okay, it's the same thing I have too. Then so yeah, yeah we'll we'll save that. Uh, we'll get to the twist in a few minutes here. <laughs> yeah, because um, this is actually a much more interesting story that I would argue than the, the the episode itself. But uh, yeah, I thought that was like I don't I, I believe it's all coincidence, but it's a heck of a coincidence as to what happens. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, let's just go ahead. Let's get right into the casting crew. Cool. So this episode was directed by Richard L. Barr, which we've or Bear, which we've already seen uh, so far. He also directed Third from the Sun. So uh, go back to that. We kind of break down his career, including Wicked Wicked, which you still need to see, Paul. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, yeah, and then written by Rod Serling. Uh, this one's interesting. I'll get a little bit into it with the when we get to the plot, but. 
this is one of those episodes that's very autobiographical about Rod Serling, just uh, pulling from moments and situations within his life and putting it within a fantastic uh, story. So um, we'll get more into that as we go. The cast is Dick York as Captain Phil Riker, who everyone should know from Bewitched. Yeah, um, and I'll just point out now that uh, he injured his back the same year, like badly, and this this back injury would follow him the rest of his life. And knowing that, when you watch this episode, you it's hard not to see him leaning and sitting on everything around him. Just it's it's one of those things that you're just like that's an oddly convenient place chair or pillar. It's just like I, I get it now, but it's like I can't unsee that this poor guy hurt his back so bad that he could only stand up for a few minutes at a time without assistance. Yeah, yeah. Which he was also in one other Twilight Zone episode, uh, which has to do with mind reading, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Penny for your thoughts. Yeah, but Dick York, pretty classic actor. Uh, everybody should know him. Uh, next up, we have William Reynolds as Lieutenant Fitzgerald, who is the main character in this. Um, this is his only Twilight Zone episode, and interestingly enough, he wasn't even supposed to play the main character in this. He was. Originally going to be cast, uh, Dean Stockwell was going to be in that role. Yeah, and that would have blown my mind if I would have watched that and saw Dean Stockwell because I love him. I mean, Quantum Leap is one of my favorite shows of all time, just seeing Al in this role. And then also, he was also in uh, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. So Dean Stockwell is amazing. Um, yeah. William, uh, William Reynolds is interesting, too. I thought this was um, Jeffrey Hunter for like the first few minutes watching this, and I had to talk myself out of it. Because he has a very, I can see that he has a very distinct look about him. He looks like like a like a distant relative of Chris Pine, like a very very intense stare, you know. But I just for a second I was like, yes. I was I was like that's Jeffrey Hunter, and I was wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, he puts in a good performance in this. I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it. Uh, well, well enough. <laughs> yeah, well, I just wanted to mention about um, about him though, real quick. Two things. One. Uh, he's not Jeffrey Hunter. That's uh, three things. One, uh, he, uh, he's in a film called The Thing That Couldn't Die from 1958. This sounds like it's right up your alley, so I wanted to read a brief description. A uh, psychically gifted young woman discovers a centuries-old crate buried on her uh, aunt's ranch. Opening it, her family discovers the living head of Gideon Drew, a 16th-century devil worshiper who was beheaded by Sir Francis Drake. Oh, yeah, I've seen this. I have this on, like, one of my... <laughs> I had to look at the, the poster. I have this on, like, a collection of uh, stuff. Come oh, on, Paul. Perfect. Course. Okay, then never mind. Uh, other thing, he was in something called OK Crackerby, and I thought that was a great name for whatever it was. So, oh, but... I've seen that, too. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah, you're like, I have the whole five-episode set. It's great. <laughs> oh, I, I should know better than mentioning a movie that has somewhat like horror roots that's the 50s and 60s i should just give up right now even mentioning them because you've already either seen it or own it well the head of a satanist like i'm already <laughs> there like <laughs> that's true um, like i have the decoration in my basement so oh there you uh, go so, anyway <laughs> um should I move on? Yes, that's uh, that's all I had. Okay. No other I couldn't remember if that was two or three things yet for William Reynolds. <laughs> no, <not. laughs> um, then we have William Phipps, who plays Sergeant. That's all he's credited as. Uh, only Twilight Zone. Uh, most notable, War of the Worlds, the original, and mm -hmm. the original Invaders from Mars. Yeah, I thought that was uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, and then we got Barney Phillips as Captain E.L. Gunther, who is... Uh, been a few other Twilight Zone episodes, none we've covered yet. Um, he has a pretty famous role uh, a few seasons from now. 
Then we have Michael Van Dever as Smitty. And my big uh, moment when I realized that Warren Oates was in this as the Jeep driver at the end. Yeah. Because uh, uh, he was uh, in the Wild Bunch and Blue Thunder. That's uh, I don't know if there's something yeah. else that uh, you, you know him better from. Some secret uh, movie Dillinger. that you own. Oh, okay. That's a, that's a fantastic movie. But I mean, he's a huge actor. Um, but yeah, he popped up and I was like, I know that voice. What, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was my little mind blown moment for this. Um, uh, so I guess that's basically it. Your main characters are uh, Captain Phil Riker, Lieutenant Fitzgerald, and uh, that's pretty much it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I have I have two others. Pretty just much be- deal with the two of them. Yeah, just because of this, their connections. The orderly that we saw for a second, uh, this guy's name's Paul Mazarski. Mazar- um, he's also in a couple other Twilight Zone episodes, but he was also on that show that I keep mentioning, Johnny Midnight, so I had to bring that up again. And um, I think somebody else was, too, on this. Maybe. I saw that pop up on somebody <laughs> else's, and I just laughed, because I was like, I bet Paul's going to bring this up again. <laughs> and, and, and this guy was also a minor voice in Kung Fu Panda 2. I just, the only reason I mentioned that, not just because of, like, this, because how more recent work, how that's really not that old, compared to, you know, what what we see now. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, and the classic Ants. Yes. <laughs> with a Z. And uh, the guy playing the harmonica that I don't think he was playing the harmonica. We'll get back to that later. Uh, Ron uh, Mazak, he's still alive, still working. And he was just, um, the only reason I want to mention him other than he's not a harmonica player is that he was in Laser Blast, which is one of the best Mystery Science Theater 3000 episodes ever. So if you've Uh, not seen that one. That's funny. We were just talking about that uh, yesterday because I've never seen that. It's supposed to be like one of the highest rated episodes they ever did. Um, Man, Ron Masick, his IMDb page, he looks like a car salesman. Yes, he does. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like when I saw him playing the harmonica, I'm like, that like guy a- looks like somebody, you know, he looks like that character actor that you can't place, but you've seen him everywhere. Yeah. Every car dealership. Um, <laughs> playing harmonica with a broken arm. No, he, all, he, he looks like he could be a game show announcer as well. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, anyway. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's stop picking on Ron Masick. Yeah. Um, Cool. Um, so you want to let uh, Ron take us away? Infantry Platoon, U.S. Army, Philippine Islands, 1945. These are the faces of the young men who fight. As if some omniscient painter had mixed a tube of oils that were at one time earth brown, dust gray, blood red, beard black, and fear yellow white. And these men were the models. For this is the province of combat. And these are the faces of war. I, it's such an amazing intro. Uh, like, I don't know, like that, that set me up for like, just this is going to be like, this is going to be a great look at war. But I think you're talking, you're going to mention his own connection with the story. So um, how it's more, I don't know, more personal than this. Yeah. Yeah, obviously this isn't a uh, true story of his time in the Philippines during this yeah, <laughs> era, no. but um, it's, it's a way for him to deal with it, but we'll get to it. So I guess we'll get into the plot. It is one of the most simple plots I think we've covered so far. Yeah. Uh, Lieutenant uh, Lieutenant Fitzgerald and his Captain Phil Riker uh, come back from a mission or little battle something I'm, I'm not quite sure what you would classify it as but he comes back and he seems to be more upset than he usually would be with losing a few soldiers and uh it turns out that he saw something in the four guys that had 
been killed during the battle. And he wrote their names down and pretty much predicted that they weren't going to come back. Yeah. And he, so, yeah. He shared that information with uh, with Riker uh, saying, I wrote this down yesterday. And like, and it becomes this whole issue of like, did he really do it then? Or was it because the guilt of losing men? And that kind of sets it going forward. Yeah. So to further uh, show what's actually going on, um, he ends up back in the, I don't know what you call it, the medic area with some of the wounded soldiers. And uh, he's walking through and one of the, the guys back there, he sees this light on his face. And it's the first time we get to see this, what he's actually seeing. Um, and he faints. And when he wakes up, the guy that was in the bed had died. So we actually see what his power is in action from there. Um, I, I don't know how far I want to go yeah. right now into the story. I'll just, <laughs> I'll there's just not you much know. more to go <laughs> into. Um, you said the hospital place that you can't put a name on it. I'll give you a name for it. It's the same set from the 16 millimeter shrine. Uh, if you look at it. So whenever uh, Riker's talking to um, the one gentleman at the desk, that is the same room that the lady was watching the films in. And then you go to the lobby area, like the foyer, and they have the big conversation about him seeing his friend, you know, the, the glow on his face before he died. That's the same foyer that the bulk of the 16 millimeter shrine took place in. So that's the name of that place. It's the same set. I don't know if you yep. noticed that. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but you're absolutely correct. Um, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, that, I don't know. It's kind of, I, was I don't watching. know how I missed that. <laughs> I paused and I'm like, that's the same stairwell. And I, um, I, I know this is what happens. They reuse sets and, it, and not, not the spoiler alert too much, but if you look at the freeze frame for the next episode called Elegy that's coming, I think they use the same set again. I, I just, I, I'm pretty sure <laughs> they're going to use it for the next, the next show too. Um, I actually, um, I have a, a, a photo I want to put up. I cropped out those four sections to show you and the people listening that I'm pretty sure I'm right about how that's the same set. So I'll put that up on the, the Facebook yeah. page. Um, I yeah, thought that it's was not interesting. unbelievable. Like I understand they're going to reuse sets, but it is kind of a strange set for, uh, basically them setting up camp in the Philippines. Like the building still looks like a mansion. Like I, I thought that was kind of odd. Yeah. And, and, and now that you bring this up, I'm like, <laughs> that, that's a strange set to use. My only thought is like, it's wartime. And if you have a stable, larger facility, anything can be a hospital. Right. So that's the way that I could think that they ended up describing it just in terms of it's, it's wartime. We have this building. It's away from the front lines. We're going to put our wounded here. And I kind of got that yeah. from the way it was dressed, but you're right. It's still kind of like, it makes me wonder if there wasn't anything else available. Yeah. Um, so from that point on, uh, the, I'm trying to think what happens right after he leaves the hospital area. Um, I just watched this like a few hours ago and it's already well, he, happening. He ends up back, <laughs> they end up back at base. Um, and, uh, uh, Riker's going over the mission, and as they're getting ready to do everything, uh, uh, Williams, uh, what's that? Not Williams. Is it? Yeah, it's Williams. William Reynolds. Sorry. So all these names are very short and very similar. So I'm going to get them confused. Uh, he looks at um, Riker's face and sees that same glow, and and is then convinced, like, well, you're not coming back, and I need to tell you this. So, uh, and then Riker is kind of telling him that he's full of it, but at the same time, he sets aside his wedding ring and photos of his family and, and puts all his pertinent information on the desk and then goes off to the mission and yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so this episode, like I said, I, I'm having trouble getting into it because I had so much, so many problems trying to watch this episode. Like I just, I could not pay attention. I kept having to like rewind. I'm like, my mind just kept wandering on different things. I was like, God damn it, I gotta go back like and rewatch the past five minutes. I, I don't know what it is about this episode that was just so hard to watch. Well, because it's just like it, it's it's almost, and it's 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 weird because Bear he did Third from the Sun, which had a lot of dynamic uh, shots to it and just weirdness and and interesting things going on. With this, it's just more. It's one guy trying to convince another guy that he can see people like who's going to be next to die, right? And yeah, and and so it's like it's very much like there's there's not much else there in terms of it's just it is it's one guy trying to convince another guy and then the one guy's never really convinced but then he doesn't come back so you know it's just it there's not much here and it's also with with bear directing it there there wasn't much chance for anything dynamic because you couldn't do actual war footage because i mean who has that budget and they use stock footage and then also that one sound stage was big enough for just two trucks that they backed off and drove onto you know, so how can yeah. you how can you do anything that's dynamic at all in this and make it interesting? Well, I, I I think it's coming off of the last episode where there were two people in a room, and it it was one of the most uh, engrossing episodes we've seen so far. You know, as far as like story, and we go on to this one. It's like they had more of a set than they did in the last episode, and for some reason they couldn't they just couldn't get anything going with it yeah and and they're both kind of talking about the same thing which is uh like the consequence of fate you know like yeah with um uh decker uh, let's see i'm gonna get all his names confused decker from last episode where he was facing like the reality that his cowardice may cause further problems then you got um uh reynolds who he's not a coward you know he's just he doesn't he just doesn't like having this burden of knowing who's going to die uh but he's not afraid of war he just doesn't want to have to like have the knowledge of knowing exactly who's going to go you know it's like but he doesn't doesn't necessarily want to go to the front line because he knows the moment they leave something's going to happen you know so it's yeah i don't know if they're a place like that on purpose but it's it's interesting yeah and i even had i had a weird kind of thought while i was watching it because the episode is really really predictable it seems like there's only one way it could possibly go as you're watching it, like it, it, there's no twist really for me. Like as soon as it starts, you kind of know what's going to happen. And uh, the the more I dislike that, and I started thinking about it, I was like, but it's kind of like him in the episode with the inevitability of death and not being able to stop what's going to happen. Like the way you're watching the episode with the inevitability of you know what's going to kind of happen to the two characters. Like it, it kind of played well together, so that, that's the only positive thing I can say about it. But at the end of the day, it just did not grab me. <laughs> and I agree, um, and I know I'm guilty of this, uh, where I want to rewrite an episode every time I see it. I don't know, like not that not that I dislike everything we see, but this one, this one feels like whenever. Um, Reynolds is pulled in front of his troops, and they're getting ready to go off with uh, the the last fight with um, Riker. Because uh, he'd already seen the glow on Riker's face, and he and he heard this noise too. He heard that weird noise from Bewitched when it went on Darren's face. Um, I was like, "Oh, you just confused the shit out of me." Yeah. I was like, "I don't remember hearing that sound in this episode." He wiggled his nose, and then a light showed up on on Darren's face. Um, and then they went off to war. But like, but right before they went off oh. to the battle, um, 
he he'd already seen the glow on Riker's face, but then there's that the one thing I will say, I like the panning shot of all the troops looking at him, and you're waiting for that moment of when you're going to see whose face is going to glow next. And you don't get any of them. But then it shows Riker again with no glow. I was really hoping that there would have been a moment where either you, whenever they come back, everyone comes back except for Reynolds, and you find out that he like stepped in front of the sniper shot that was meant for Riker, you know, or that when they come back, he's like, oh, this, yeah, I told you that we we're going to be fine. And then all of a sudden, like Reynolds turn around and see, and he can't unsee the glow off everybody's face because something worse is coming. Like I would have been like that. You need that moment of hesitation to wonder if what he's seeing is what he thinks it actually is for me to really buy the brutality of it. Yeah. But again, I, th- I think it really is speaking to the inevitability of death within war and uh, there's no way to stop it. So I, I, I kind of took it as that, but I do agree with you. I think this would have worked a little bit better with playing on the inevitability and then being able to adjust it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, but yeah, you're I, right. Like, I, I think it's there. I think Serling was speaking to, and you're going to talk more about his military history. So I didn't read that part of it about this has to weigh on people when they go out and they lose four, they lose 10 and they come back and it's like, what made me so special? And why am I seeing all these faces day in, day out that I'm forming relationships with and they're not coming back? So, I mean, it isn't really that far off base for someone to think that they think that they know who's not coming back whenever the likelihood is none of them are, you know? So, um, it feels like a very form, early form of like PTSD a little bit, you know, like you're just always worried about what's going to happen to the next person. Yeah. Well, that, that's a good segue. Um, I'll jump into, I read... I found on uh, military.com, they have like a area for famous veterans and it kind of has Rod Serling's uh, war history and his military history. Um, he was in the 500th, 511th parachute infantry of the 11th airborne division. And uh, he was stationed between 1944 and 1946 in the Philippines during the battle of Manila, which this episode I'm assuming since it took place in 1945 and that's when that battle happened that kind of took back the philippines from the japanese okay um i'm assuming it's happening during that battle or right before it um so he was stationed there during this whole time and where this episode takes place and um he ended up i think he was in uh, what was it he was in some sort of explosives or something i i I can't find it on here now that I brought it up again. Um, but he was in the place he was stationed in the Philippines. They were kind of, it was one of the more peaceful areas, but the one night the Japanese artillery kind of came and was shooting down. Everybody shot a bunch of, uh, native people that were living there. Um, Serling during that night ended up, he ran into the crossfire rescued a performer and a few other soldiers and uh, ended up earning a Purple Heart for it. But he had nightmares and flashbacks for the rest of his life. I found a quote. He said, uh, I was bitter about everything and at loose ends when I got out of the service. I think I turned to writing to get it off my chest. So this was the first time he really sat down to write something about, you know, I mean, it's not necessarily about his time in the Philippines, but it's definitely him working through some of that PTSD. Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds very similar to like Vonnegut when he went through, going through his wartime and then writing about in Slaughterhouse five. It's just like, it's how do you not 
I mean, I I've never experienced anything like that, you know, and I, I just no. I don't even know how you deal with that and then also accept moving forward, you know. So, um, not to like I don't I don't think this is a very good episode of the Twilight Zone, but for someone to to bear it out there and say this is the same time and place and where I was and I saw things happen, that's still a brave move, you know. And then also the, yeah. in dealing with the the inevitability of like what makes you so special what makes what what how are you coming back and the person to the left of you isn't you know um and there's that bit where that bat that guy I, there's an actor in there he was the worst actor in the episode they gave him one of the heaviest thing to say is whenever he was going through uh Riker's belongings he said war stinks and it's like that's you know yeah that, that felt very true though that guy delivered that line very badly <laughs> Um, but yeah, <laughs> it was just, I don't know why they gave that guy lines. He was just like, Oh, you, you, sir, put on a hat. You're going to now be an answering military guy anyway. But yeah, it was just, it was just one of those things where I wasn't really enjoying the episode and afterwards kind of doing some research on it. Um, the episode's sitting with me a little bit better now that I see where it came from and can kind of look at it through his eyes and through his writing. Um, it's a little bit more impressive, but I think he does address the uh, war a little bit later. I don't know if it's this season or the next one, um, so we'll definitely get back to it. But I think this this is probably his most personal war story that he's going to put on here, just based on location and the setting. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So my question for you, we didn't really get to the very end of the episode yet, where um, we've kind of talked about it but not said it outright. Um, Reynolds ends up looking into a mirror and seeing the glow on his own face. And he gets yeah. distraught and knocks the mirror down. Right when that mirror falls down, though, that stand that the mirror was sitting on, that looked a lot like a cross. Do you think that was intentional? Um, I would say probably, because there weren't too many... Um, there really weren't too many props on the set, so I would say it's it's got to be intentional. And the fact that like the effect that they have on the people's faces that are going to die is a light on mm-hmm. the face. Like I can't get something other than a spiritual uh, theme out of my head. Yeah, and and the nice thing, well, not nice thing, but it is interesting to say that like the light itself, other than the music cue, um, the light itself doesn't seem menacing. You know, it's almost like yeah. It's and a, yeah. The musical cue isn't necessarily scary, but it's uh, it's more mysterious sounding. So, um, yeah, it was it was an interesting take and not the typical dark turn that a lot of his writing can take. Yeah, and what did you think of the effect of the reflections of the mirror, like whenever it was broken into pieces and they were reflecting the same location, all three big pieces? It was a weird, it was a weird effect. Like, I know what they're trying to go yeah. for, but it's just like, I, I don't know. Like, I get that it's, uh, you know, 1960 when they shot this, but it, it was a, it was a weird visual. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it, it ends up in the Jeep with the guy saying that he's the best Jeep driver and that he would, uh, if he, if he could, he'd pick the thing up and tiptoe with it. I don't understand what that meant. Um, and he was supposed to go back to the fancy, uh, fancy place for like more tests uh, for mental stability and then that's when he realizes that he's not going to make it and the jeep driver's not going to make it either um and, mm-hmm. and, and it's and he's like yeah it's about four hour drive he's like hey he's like i think it's gonna be shorter that's kind of a dark statement yeah yeah and then the episode ends up with uh they're back at the camp and you hear a big explosion and uh they kind of write it off but 
you know what that sound actually was. Yeah, the one guy. Which like, I, I I thought that was. I thought that was a nice way to end the episode, though. All things aside, throughout the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, that sounded like thunder. It's like, uh, it was probably thunder. I'm like, that did not sound like any thunder I know. Um, but yeah, then there's the guy playing the harmonica, which if you guys get a chance, please watch the episode and just pay attention for the harmonica playing. It does not make any sense. Like, And the guy's like, yeah, I can play it one-handed. I'm like, you can't play it any-handed. It was, it was really, really poorly <laughs> choreographed harmonica playing. Yeah. No, I, I like the ending, though, just to go back a little bit before the harmonica there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I like the whole thunder thing because it, it kind of speaks to them just trying to keep their mind positive. You know, like they know it wasn't thunder, but they kind of want to believe just to make themselves feel better. That's and, fair. Uh, yeah, I, I really did enjoy the end of it. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, the, the episode had to end. I mean, it was going to end on a, on a down note, but at least it felt like, I mean, it, it, it feels complete regardless of how I feel about the narrative structure of it. it I mean, it does give mm-hmm. an ending. Uh, it doesn't do this vague, like, oh no, the harmonica guy now sees a glow on somebody else. Like this thing's being passed. It, I, like, I'm glad they didn't do anything like that. I'm glad it wasn't like the sweeping gift that goes from person to person. It was this one guy that for whatever reason happens to see this for a very short amount of time and now it's gone, you know, and it's something to yeah. contemplate. And, yeah, and, I agree. And, I, and, and it weighs heavy on him. I that, mean, I'm um, glad because that would have been a cop out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I just getting choked up thinking about this episode. Uh, and it's also interesting that Reynolds is, is more distraught over um, Riker being the only casualty of that last operation because it's just like he knew, you know, and it's like and otherwise you have a very successful military operation where there was no no significant injury and only one casualty. I would imagine that almost any any military operation would take that, even though they don't want to admit losing one life. They'd probably consider that a good day, you know. And it was it was just yeah. a burden to him. Um, yeah, it was it was an okay episode. It was okay. It's just that it didn't have any type of like. Um, I was expecting a gut punch, and there was nothing that came. Yeah, yeah, it just kind of meanders towards the end. Um, Again, it, it's an episode that I don't think plays well as you watch it, but doing research, which I never would have done if we weren't doing this show, um, I think helps the episode tenfold. Like I honestly, like I finished, I was like, "Oh, glad I got through that one." <laughs> and then reading about his military history, I'm like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I really enjoyed it, Mister Serling." Like, <laughs> that's funny. Um, so it, it's one of those things where like I guess hindsight is uh 2020. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, Cuz I probably would have read into it a little bit deeper as I was watching it, you know, if I would have known the history before it, but Yeah, and but the thing is like I I um, I what yeah, what can you do? Like I I like watching these episodes if I've not seen them previously. I like watching them blind cuz I don't want to have too much information yeah. in my head. I just want to kind of experience it. And I think that's okay to appreciate something after the fact. Um, it's just that I just was not looking forward to this on a second viewing just because I feel like after such a strong, strong character building and dialogue, the last episode, it just, it, and it's unfair to compare this one to what just came before it, I guess, cause it's a different writer, different scenario. Um, but it, yeah. It just, and they were all written and filmed out of order from yeah. what their air dates were as well. So, um, and that's, that's actually, I guess that, that, that needs to be said. And that's a good segue to the coincidence. We'll mention this real here real quick. Uh, so then, oh yeah, I yeah. The the day this aired, um, 
director Richard Bear and William Reynolds, who was the guy who could see people dying, uh, were filming a TV series called The Islanders, and they were in a plane crash with one person on board that was killed in the crash. Um, and Reynolds, he, he claimed, and though I found out this wasn't true, that Sterling pulled the episode from its original uh, air date uh, out of concern for families of Reynolds and Bear. But it turns out that um, that wasn't the case. And they tried downplaying the actual event because they didn't want to generate like fake publicity about the episode. Um, yeah. And then reading further on, supposedly, uh, as they were swimming to land, uh, Bear requested that Reynolds not look at him, look at his face as they're swimming back to land. And I think that's kind of funny. But I wonder if that was said as a joke or if they're being very serious at the time. Yeah, I. That sounds like something they would have kind of said as a joke after the fact. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, like, but yeah, they they made it through with I think uh, just broken legs or something. So that's that's insane. Yeah, it's it's odd that like on a transport with the guy who was the guy that could see death, you end up in a plane crash with him the night that that episode airs. That is bizarre. Um, yeah. But uh, the other thing I was you mentioned Sterling's military history. I decided I was trying to find something to connect this episode just because I like finding some other other information along with this. I figured. Um, John Glenn had just passed away like the past week. Uh, he also served mm-hmm. in World War II and in the Korean War. The only reason I mentioned this because I, I mean, anybody that goes into space is going to be a badass. I didn't realize how much of a badass uh, John Glenn was. Uh, I guess he still is. I mean, he's passed, but he's never going to not be a badass. Uh, he threw, he flew um, 63 combat missions in the Korean War. Uh, his nickname was called Magnet Ass because his ability to attract enemy fire and flak. Uh, and all these combat missions, they were either assigned to him and he just, he went voluntarily or other pilots asked for him to join him on the mission. He never turned down a mission and he actually stayed a lot. He stayed, um, really low altitudes because he didn't like fighting in high altitudes. Cause I guess he said it was harder to, to hit a target. So he was staying down below like where people wouldn't be safe, taking fire and going on all these missions and still coming back. That is ridiculous. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was just like John Glenn, American badass. There you go. Uh, during yeah. this time, just <laughs> uh, what was it? He uh, he actually um, what was it? Got six flying crosses, uh, and it was just like he basically he's just everything you want to be as a man, you know. Like, but I thought that was interesting. <laughs> this was actually going on, like you know, tangential to when Sterling was in the war. You had you know the the guy who was going to be one of the, the the first American to orbit the Earth, just up there just shooting down Migs, you know, but. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, ridiculous. Yeah, um, but that's yeah, all I got. Yeah, extraordinary uh, man. Definitely, uh, definitely gonna be missed. Yeah. not too many people like him, or will ever be like him. So yeah, so um, um, yeah, that's a good segue. Uh, next episode deals with astronauts. Again. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's that's funny. Uh, but yeah, let's just go ahead. We'll get to the twist. I don't know other than the fact that the guy could see people dying or, or he knew they were going to die before they died, which was established in the first like three minutes of the episode. I don't know if there really was a twist and I, I want to give this a one um, just because it was kind of flat. I I'd say the twist is him seeing the light on his own face. But again, it's something I feel that was inevitable. It was going to happen. Like you could call it initially. <laughs> yeah. Um, like like I said, there seems like there's only one way for this episode to go, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm gonna give it a two just because <laughs> <laughs> you're always nicer than I am with all these. 
I know. That's the only reason I'm giving it a two, just because I want to continue that. <laughs> <laughs> what if I give something a five? You're just going to give it a six? Just a, like you're going to break yeah. the scale? <laughs> just to be like, I give it a six. It's the best It's the best twist ever. Um, yeah, well, I mean. Maybe overbid it, and then I'll <laughs> give it a one. <laughs> right? I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you're, you're, you're right, though. The moment you, you see the hook of the light on the faces, you knew it was going to be eventually... Like yeah, it's going like, to be, of happening. course, that's yeah. happening. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so yeah. I, again, I think this is another one of those episodes that uh, it, it should be appreciated for for what it is, uh, for the context, and then just everything surrounding it. Um. But I mean, by itself, if if you strip all that away, I this is not this is not one of my favorite episodes. Um, no, and I I don't think I'll ever watch this one again. Be honest, like, <laughs> not to be harsh, not to sound harsh, but I don't think I ever need to see this one again. Yeah. Um, so yeah. if, if I'm turning on twilight zone one night, I'm not going to be like, Oh, you know what? I really want to watch <laughs> the purple Testament. <laughs> I wonder, um, I wonder if we're one other- <laughs> some information this time. I didn't get last time. <laughs> um, one other thing that was on a bunch of websites about this episode, uh, uh, Serling in the end credits and the name of the episode purple Testament comes from, Richard the third, which he states that comes from Richard the second, the Shakespeare play. Um, so he was wrong about that. So. <laughs> I like that everybody calls him out. It's just like, okay. I mean, I would have never known. I'd been like, sure, that sounds right. You know, like <laughs> he could have yeah. made up something. I've been like, I yeah, just, that's Richard I just the figured second. that was like one of the big talking points on this episode is that he was wrong about where it came from. So I figured we need to be assholes and point it out as well. Well, in the last episode too, he quoted uh, Shakespeare right at the end of uh, the last flight. So I know it's not, it must be, it must be something he gets inspired from. To, to like because this turns of phrases that there must be a good well of inspiration for him and if someone's already said it better than you why not quote him you know so because it's a really yeah. good it's really strong narration in the episode it's just again i i love the opening and intro uh, opening and ending um his his uh, narration uh, they're very powerful i just kind of wish that they're yeah this is just th- this could have been a little bit more and i think it would have been an amazing episode but it was just okay yeah and and hearing the quote with the Purple Testament being used into it, I really do love the title of the episode as well. Again, it, it it's weird. This one and I Shot an Arrow into the Air are two of my t- like favorite titles and least favorite episodes we've covered yet. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's just like you almost like you just wish there'd be better episodes attached to that. And like what well, also like and yeah. when the sky was open, that's a cool title too. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, you're right. Like, because I didn't, I didn't know what to think. I mean, I read the little description of the episode of the Purple Testament, but like that 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 name just leaves it so open ended, you know. And, and then when you yeah. find out at the end with the closing narration, it's like, oh well, that that actually fits very well. Um, so I mean, yeah, yeah, keep running my joke from last week into the ground. It would have been better if Prince was in this. <laughs> yes, I that would have been great. <laughs> Um, See how many times I can make uh, Prince jokes during this. <laughs> they would have been fighting the revolution. Uh, and Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, all right. Anyway. So, uh, yeah. So, Kevin, how can people find us on things? Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, join the conversation on there. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, leave us voicemails. Leave us emails. Uh, strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And... I am going to sit down, and we should be on Google Play Music uh, as of tomorrow, I'm assuming. So um, I just got Radio Violenta up on there, so it's it's pretty easy. It's super easy, easy. yeah. 
Yeah, so it just has to wait for the approval process. So by the time you're hearing this, it'll probably be up on Google Music uh, podcast as well. Um, am I missing anything? No, it's just leave oh, yeah. It, yeah, leave us some reviews. iTunes, yeah. Stitcher, yeah. If you want to leave us a review, we'd uh, much appreciate it. Yeah, um, <coughs> uh, and uh, and I've been trying to, to to keep things going on the Facebook page. I, I like I like finding weird and interesting screenshots from the episodes and put them up like once a day. I try it like usually once a day just to have something fun to go along with the shows. Um, and I, I have a, there's that, that the, the mirror shot from this episode will go up definitely just because it's a, an odd looking shot. Uh, but yeah, next episode elegy. Um, pretty sure it's the same set that's from this one and 16 millimeter shrine. We'll find out when we get there. Um, yeah. But, uh, written by uh, Charles Beaumont. So this is the second one we're going to get out of the 22 episodes he did. Yeah. I think the last one he wrote was perchance a dream. Ooh. Okay. All right. So this, uh, and this one seems more like more sci-fi. So this is probably up my alley. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I've not seen this one before. Yeah. I don't think I've seen it either. It's crazy. Um, I was on trick or treat radio last week, two weeks ago. And uh, we were kind of talking about Twilight Zone, and it, it it's mind blowing to me. I've always figured at my age, like I'm like I think I've seen all of Twilight Zone episodes. And now going back, I'm realizing that I've seen like, like almost none except for the famous ones out of the first season. Yeah, I thought I I thought I saw a fair amount of them too, and I haven't. You know, like you just and we're only what we're at the halfway point of the season one, and how many of these have you not seen before? You know, it's like it's I I think about like two-thirds of them i haven't seen before yeah. which is blowing my mind <laughs> <laughs> um and you also think too that like i know for like the marathons and things that they run like on sci-fi channel for like new years and and things it's like i'm sure a lot of that just skips right past you and then everyone like the big famous ones you stop and look at you know so it's like uh, yeah 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 because like i always and i think we're getting close to it monsters who do on maple street and stuff some of my favorite ones um yeah, those are, like you said, the ones I always stop. I'm like, oh, man, closing time's on or whatever the mannequin one is. Closing <laughs> like, time. <laughs> I got to stop and watch it. Yeah, like clo- closing time after hours, whatever. Uh, Attack of the Mannequins. After hours. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Not not the uh, <laughs> shitty 90s song. <laughs> uh, I like it. Um, but, yeah, this has been this has been fun. Like, I really like, even even with an episode like this with the Purple Testament, which, again, people, like, I, I'm, I'm guilty sometimes of listening to other shows that cover media that i don't necessarily dig into but i like the conversation around it like i and then I'm, I'm like uh like radio violenta i i can't say that i've listened or watched every movie you guys cover but i like the conversation that you guys have about them uh because they're informed and they're yeah. entertaining um even with the episode like this it's i think it's still worth watching because there's still merit um it, and it's only like 25 minutes so you get through it um i still think that even though i i'm still lukewarm to the episode itself I think it's worth digging into and giving it its due and that for sure. Yeah. And if you haven't watched it, just check it out. Like it's, <laughs> I'm sure you've spent 25 minutes doing things that are way less, you know, that they've done less for you than watching an episode of twilight zone. I know I have probably today, you know, like, yeah. so like recording well, this podcast, an- another no. thought I had, <laughs> uh, another thought I had kind of about twilight zone was that the highs are so high. Sometimes, the mediocre episodes feel worse than they actually are. That's uh, true. It just, you know, you watch some episodes that are just phenomenal and you're just like, my God, like how did they come up with this? This is beautiful. You know, it, like we watched a hitchhiker, which was just fantastic, you know, and like uh, the last flight last week, I, we both kind of loved 
And it, like the highs are just so high that when you watch something like this, you're just like, it hits you even harder. Like, I don't like this. <laughs> you know? yeah. well, but when... at the end of the day, it is better than a lot of things that I sit down and spend two hours watching, you know, like certain B movies and stuff. You know, I waste my whole day watching garbage movies. And then I complain about like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's sometimes not fair. So take when especially when we don't like the episode uh it's all subjective and it, take what we say with a grain of salt because s- some of the stuff even the worst episodes are better than a lot of other things out there yeah that's true so um so hopefully we did set yeah, ourselves up right. for uh for failure next week with elegy i hope this is a really good episode as opposed to being like yeah we were wrong this this show this this one's crap too you know? <laughs> yeah we're wrong season one sucks yeah <laughs> when do we get into season two yeah <laughs> So, um, hey, I think we got uh, two more episodes and then we're to one of my all time favorites. The monsters are due on Maple Street. So, and I, I just got to hang in there for a few more. And I feel like, and, it, it, and man, I've dragged this on too long, but it's like we got to the lonely, which was the seventh episode. And that's like my favorite episode of the Twilight Zone. And it was like, all right, well, we're done with my favorite one. I guess we got four more seasons to go now. Like, it's just like, <laughs> so uh, it's just, it's, it's interesting. Like, I, I'm finding things I like along the way, too, of course. And this is why I asked you to do this. This is why I wanted to do it because I wanted to, um, I wanted to give it its due and I could, I could binge this. I could be done with the series in a month. It doesn't mean I'm going to retain anything, you know? So that's why I, 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 I like doing this. And, um, yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, it's funny though. I've I've only been retaining things about episodes that I like. <laughs> Somebody asked me about an episode we did a few weeks ago, and I was like, I don't remember that episode. <laughs> that, that's funny. Um, but then you know, you talked to me about Hitchhiker. I remember all the dumb facts we found and everything. And so it's it's kind of funny. But yeah, this is uh, it's definitely been fun going through this. And I know uh, this was was this the halfway point or was last week's? Uh, this, I think last week's was the halfway point. Yeah, this is um, was episode nineteen. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know. I think I think if not, if it wasn't last week, it's this week. Then I know we've been talking about maybe breaking ranks a little bit and doing something different, uh, but we haven't decided upon that yet. So we keep we keep uh, talking <laughs> so, about it, but nothing happening. Um, maybe it'll happen uh, at the end of the season. <laughs> maybe <laughs> we just you know, we got another 10, 20 episodes. It's fine. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, we're going we're to wrap it up. We we're almost taking two times as long to talk about an episode that was twenty five minutes. Uh, and oh. and <laughs> uh, I just saw that runtime. Yeah. Oh, well, whatever. It, 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 I've I've enjoyed like this was a good talk, and I enjoyed this last third almost as much as the the first two thirds. It was so good. Um, uh, next episode, Elegy, uh, Spaceman uh, on a soundstage. Hopefully, it's good. Uh, again, hit us up on our social media, uh, and and yeah, uh, we'll see you next time. Bed five, sir. Smith, you just died. I'll have a look at him. For what? There's nothing to look at but a body. He's dead. And I knew he was going to die because I read it on his face. So you knew, huh, Lieutenant? You bet I did. I tabbed four men the other day. Well, that's odd, don't you think?